is today. Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. This is gonna be great! <laughs> Good morning, guys and gals. Uh, I want to say this starting off. I don't really listen to regular terrestrial radio. I don't like it. Because it's just... It's so cringy most of the time, especially in the morning, the morning shows. So, for instance... So I usually let's put my plug my phone in. I have Spotify, I have podcasts I listen to, and all kinds of stuff. New Christian music, Discovery Weekly, Release Radar, all these things that I listen to. And but every once in a while, I just don't. I because it's five minutes to drive into work, and I'll listen to the radio if I have to. And I have a classic rock channel on, and so this morning, I get in the car. The classic rock channel's on. And it's their morning show, and their bumper's like, welcome to the TNA show. And I'm like, it's so dumb. The name, oh, I'm listening to the TNA show in the morning. I'm wild. No, you're not. It's so juvenile and ridiculous. I just, ugh, those morning zoo shows are so played out and boring. And, like, do you really think that's what people, it's just terrible. So, but... After that, they start talking about how it's their, I think it's 104.1 or 3 or something like that. They start talking about it's the 30th anniversary of the radio station. And this Memorial Day weekend, they're going to be playing the 30 top classic rock albums. So Memorial Week, this is what they said, 30 classic rock albums. And they need our help, they need my help, deciding what those 30 albums are. Fine, Sure. But then the more they talk about it, then it goes like, well, we're going to play a, a block from those albums. So you're not actually playing the whole album. So it's just like you're you're not even sticking to what you're saying. Plus, then they're like uh, commercial free. But yet in those 10 songs that they're going to play in a row, there's commercials for the the for the radio station. And it's just like you're not commercial free. Just play the stupid songs. That's why streaming things are better. Spotify and all. So it's just, it just irked me this morning listening to that. First hearing the TNA show and then, ugh. And then the the woman, there's always a, a one or two guys and one woman and the, the guys are like, we're the crazy ones, we're the loose cannons. And the girls are always like, hey guys, let's keep it together. It's the same formula and it's stupid and I hate it. Sorry, I have to start things out like that, but that's just how I feel. But she's like, do you think there'll be Led Zeppelin in the top 30? What do you think? Do you think there'll be Pink Floyd? Yes. It's just... Like, people listen to this every day. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. So, I just... That just came to me this morning as I drove in. Let's get to this. I'm going to start out with this. I guess we already started out. I want to... Anyways, my daughter, Gianna, my oldest, she fancies herself a baker. And in her mind, she's the greatest baker the world has ever seen. Or she's going to be the greatest baker. One of those two, right? 
It, many times I feel like she thinks, whatever. But, and I do have to say, she makes some tasty treats. She is it's pretty good. Um, but she doesn't want to follow any recipe, look up, read any kind of directions how to do some things because she has figured it all out. So yesterday, she decided she was going to make cake pops. That was the plan, cake pops. And as a matter of fact, they were going to be cinnamon toast crunch cake pops. And she bought this cake pop mold and the stand where you put all them in and it's going to look really nice and she's ready to go at it. Her boyfriend came over, so they started working. By the time I got home, uh, she and her boyfriend were in the kitchen kind of looking at their creation. And I walked in and, uh, and she said, well, we had a bit of a problem uh, with the cake pops. And I looked and there's probably six circular looking things, uh, not on a stick or anything, just the cake along with a bunch of mangled pieces all over the place. And then this like blob of cake and frosting. Um, it, it was just like sitting there and they're just looking at it like, this is what happened. Uh, so Gianna was upset, frustrated, you know, because the idea that she had in her mind it didn't come to fruition. She handmade everything, uh, including the frosting, and yet the cake pops were a flop. Um, today's cake pop, or yesterday's cake pop project was a failure. So with that being said, failure is what I want to kind of talk about today. And we all experience failure. We all know what that's like. Um, and we've probably done it multiple times. We've probably done it a lot in our life. I, I'm sure of it. But what I want to really talk about and get into here is failing efficiently. Failing efficiently. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Maybe it does, um, but I don't think so. I initially started thinking about this topic a few weeks ago when I read this quote from Devin Townsend. Now, if you don't know who Devin Townsend is, he's a guitar player and he's got like a lot of weird instrumental music. Look him up if you get a chance. I saw him in concert. Uh, in Anaheim when I was at the NAMM show. Met him too. It was a weird show, like not my cup of tea, but when I met him, he was very nice. Like he's a good guitar player. Anyway, here's the quote. He, he said this, I've been open about certain struggles that I've had in terms of my psychology over the years, mental health, he said. And I hope that by being open about it and by also learning from my mistakes that I have, have made in the past, that put me in a position where some of the behaviors that I exhibited were interpreted as being more indicative of mental illness, illness rather than poor behavior on my part. And I guess the hope that I have for moving forward and doing the work that I do is that learning is that learning to fail efficiently is a huge part of success. So he said, learning to fail efficiently is a huge part of success. So that got me thinking, have I been failing efficiently or inefficiently? But before we can get into that, let's look at what failure does for us. What? Failure does something for us? Yes, it does. Uh, failure is a part of life. That's a fact. And I would argue that it is impossible to know success without having first experienced failure. So failure propels us to success. So here's an example that I was thinking about. 
uh, when I went downhill skiing for the first time with some friends. So my friends had all gone before and they're like, you want to go skiing? I'm like, that sounds like fun. So we all went there. We got to the mountain. They showed me on flat ground how to steer, kind of slow down, all that kind of stuff. And then from there, you, you normally go to the bunny hill and you work out it and like struggle for a little bit. Then you move up to intermediate. Then you're off, you know, you're good. So, but my friends decided the best way to teach me was to show me how to do that on flat ground, then take me immediately up to a black diamond and pat me on the back, say, good luck, see you on the bottom. And uh, what happened is I fell and wiped out and hurt myself on that way down. Um, and I was irritated and frustrated and like, that was a failure. Now, I was set up to fail, sure, but the result was a failure because I didn't ski down the hill. I tumbled and tossed and all kinds of stuff all the way down. Um, but I made it my mission to master that downhill skiing that weekend though, because then I, what I did, I went to the bunny hill. I went to do all these things and I failed and failed and failed and I fell and wiped out and all these things. Um, until a point where I was like, you know what, if I, one more fall, I'm going to break something. So I failing is no longer an option. Now I feel like I failed efficiently in that because I learned from each mistake. Every time I fell down or made a mistake, I was like, okay, what did I do? And then, you know, I went over it and went back to the smaller hills. I got better and better at every attempt. And eventually I got back to that black diamond and I crushed it. Now, also I tried to teach my mom how to downhill ski uh, and it went something like this. So we get to, now we were at a bigger mountain than I started at. We were at, in Reno at Mount, Mount Rose, I think it was called. Um, and so I, uh, I got on her on the flat ground in the skis, taught her how to stop and smooth, how to do all these things. Right. But then I did go to the bunny hill and we were at the bunny hill for a very long time, like a long, long time. And I was like, we should go to intermediate. She's like, nope, not ready. She kept, and I'm like, let's just go. It's an intermediate. It's not even that big. It's long, but not steep. And she reluctantly said, okay. Uh, so I took her to the immediate or the intermediate hill and, and she right at the top of the hill, she wiped out and hurt herself. And I encouraged her to get back on the skis, try it again, but nope, she quit. She failed inefficiently. She didn't want to give it another shot. She walked down the hill and she was mad at me. She was frustrated. And I think the failure got to her. It just, there was no going back from there. Now, on a side, and I was like, you're being a big baby. Just get in your skis and let's go. And she was mad and you weren't going to talk to her. Now, in her defense, she did hurt her shoulder pretty good that needed surgery. But still, you get back on the skis and you finish the brun. That's what I have to say. You suck it up. She's listening now, I'm sure, and she's probably yelling at the phone or whatever she's watching on, but that's what happened. You failed inefficiently. So, we all want that success, but we are terrified of failure. You think, oh no, I can't do that. What if I fail? But what I say is, what if you succeed? What about that? Does anybody think that when they're about to do something? No. I have many people here at church that want me to say things on stage. And I'm like, why don't you just come up and do the announcements? I can't get in front of people because they're worried they're going to screw up. What if you do something amazing? What if you crush it? They don't, they, nobody wants to think that way. 
but I have researched, I've done, I've thought about these things and I have come up with some help with some smart people online of how we're supposed to fail. And there's a number of steps. And the first one, uh, the first part of failing efficiently is failing fast. Now, that doesn't simply mean just failing quickly. Like you fail, you're done. No, it's knowing when to drop bad ideas uh, and, and coming to the realization, realization that uh, you're in the midst of something keeping you from that success. And it could be hard to see, but you realize these things quickly and you're like, okay, that's a bad move. I'm not going to do that. Uh, so for instance, if you're in a relationship and you feel you're in a, a toxic relationship, let's say that, um, you have two choices. You can either terminate that relationship or find the root cause of the problem and correct it. Those are the two things. But you have to decide that quickly instead of, well, I'm just going to deal with this for the next 10 years. No, that is not correct. That is failing inefficiently. And that is failing long, like for an extended period of time. That's not what we want to do. We have to figure out what's happening. So for instance, the, the students uh, here in youth, I like to think that I'm teaching them failure when they play against me in basketball. They lose every time. Never lost. I'm like 200 and 0. This doesn't just go, this isn't starting here at Point North. This is at previous churches where I played the youth. They just, they, a lot of these kids have a hard time learning to fail efficiently. So when I play them, there's a number of students that come after me every week. Oh, I'm going to beat you today. Okay. And they do the same thing over and over. I know exactly what moves they're going to do. And I block them before their shot goes up. I body them down low. And I, there, there's nothing they can do. They have not learned from their mistakes. They're failing slowly instead of quickly. And I try to tell, I, sometimes I even tell them, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dribble to the left. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to box you out. And I'm going to, like, and they're just like, okay. And then I do it. They're not learning from their mistakes. Anyways, so. Failing fast. Figure out what you're doing wrong. Stop it. That kind of thing. Another aspect is failing gracefully. Now on the ski hill, some of my wipeouts and, and fails were not graceful. Not at all. They're a complete opposite of that. And uh, But the, what I'm talking about gracefully is kind of like, you ever meet uh, a sore loser? We all met a sore loser. Um, that person who blames their failures on everyone else. It's everybody else's problem. No one likes that person. They're not failing efficiently. They're not taking accountability. They're just saying, hey, it's, it's, it's everybody else. Like, it's not my fault I failed and I'm going to be angry about it and frustrated and yell about stuff. That's not good. Um, and perhaps the most important component of failing is not even the act of failing itself, but what happens afterwards. While failing quickly and gracefully are important to success, failing thoughtfully is absolutely necessary. Otherwise, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And that is by a Spanish-American philosopher, George Centena. I think that's how you say his name. Obviously, we need to learn from our mistakes and our past uh, failures. That seems to be hard for a lot of people. It's hard to do because we have to take responsibility and accountability for our actions and what led to that failure. The easiest route after failure is blaming someone else or outside factors. But if we do that, 
What do we learn? Nothing. Now, when I was on that ski hill, my friends just said, see on the bottom, figure it out on the black diamond. That, first of all, that's dangerous. You should never do that to somebody. But um, I could have just been mad at them and given up and never skied the rest of my life. But instead, I took accountability. I, I got on that ski lift. I knew we were going up to the top of a hill. I take responsibility for another. I'm accountable for one of my actions, and uh, I'm going to figure this out. We're going to get down the bottom of the hill as safely as possible, even though I'd still wiped out many times. But I didn't just blame them. I'd blame them for a part, but they're not going to hold me back from achieving my goal. Back to Gianna's uh, cake pop incident yesterday. She has the opportunity to fail efficiently because even though the cake pop shapes were not working and, and the cake, she, the, the whole thing didn't look the way she wanted to, and it looked interesting, I dipped my finger into the homemade icing and spread it on the cake piece and took a bite. It was delicious. Like, seriously, it was really good. So even though she made mistakes, not greasing the cake pop uh, mold, um, the, the cake itself tasted good and if it's just me i would rather have a good like a delicious tasting cake rather than a snazzy looking one i mean i told her it's really good on par with like the nothing bunt cakes or places like that i go just looks wise not so much so you're on the right track and um she had said things to lauren my wife before and me when asked about like whatever she was going to make at the time. Uh, and we were like, do you have a recipe for that? And she's like, I'm not using one. I'm a chef. Like using a, a recipe is lame and only for loser amateur bakers. That's kind of like the, the attitude that she gives us. Uh, but that's like me being like, for instance, if I was at some church on a Sunday morning and the worship team all of a sudden needed a guitar player last minute and they're like, could you come up here and play for us? Now, if I went up there, I could watch the bass player and all that stuff and figure out the chords and play a rudimentary version and strum along type of thing, right? But it's not going to be great. And if they're like, hey, but here's the chord chart. Oh, now we're, okay, now I'm really, I'm going to, I'm going to add to this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be solid. I'm not going to be a liability to you. But if I was like, I don't need chord charts. I am a professional then it's not going to be good because I don't know the breaks. I don't know where the song is going. It could change at any moment. I don't know. But that attitude would keep me from helping out the situation. And so we don't want that. Right? Right. Now, there's another element of failing efficiently, and it's moving past the failure. And so what I'm saying is don't let it fester in you. It's over. The upside of failure, particularly when done quickly, gracefully, and thoughtfully, is that it develops resilience. It lessens the fear of failure. And at the beginning of the devotional, I said we all want to su want success, but we're terrified of failure. And I use that word terrified. We all have that fear of failure, but what if we didn't have fear? What would happen? If there was no fear in any of our lives, what would happen? Without fear, we would be free to indulge in our most daring intellectual, athletic, or even romantic pursuits and would most likely succeed. So why are we giving fear such power in our lives? That's a good question.
And I think that the reason that I have been successful in my life and whatever I've done, um, I've always been willing to fail. I can get over failure. Uh, as long as I learn from it and come back better the next time. I, I know I shared a long time, uh, probably a bunch of times on this uh, Devo podcast thing that uh, my growing up playing basketball, my neighbor Gary would beat me every single day, like literally every day for years and years and years. And he would just kick my butt and it just motivated me and it made me become better and better until I eventually beat him. Right. So that failure motivated me. And I, I would have to say I was not learning uh, like failing efficiently because I was doing what a lot of these students do, just doing the same thing. He knew what I was going to do. And, but it just was burning in me. Now I let it fester. I, I, all these things that I'm saying, the way to fail efficiently, I was not doing. But one thing that I did get out of it though, is I became unafraid of failure. I'll fail as long as I eventually come back better. Now, for the most part, these attributes to failing efficiently are mostly geared towards like sports, career, academic, outward achievements, you know, that sort of stuff. But what about the tougher circumstances, such as parenting? Uh, I feel like I fail at parenting all the time. Me and my wife both have said like we're failures many times to each other, um, it's hard, uh, or resisting sin, addiction, mental health, personnel. What, what about those hard things that aren't easy to fail at, right? Uh, because we're going to fail in, in all of those categories. Um, and all those, those things that we fail at in terms of the harder stuff, they, they cut a little deeper. And those issues may not be as easy as just failing fast, failing gracefully, or moving past that failure right? Like it's, that's a little harder than just saying that. And those times I say we should fail faithfully. Now, not only do we not want to fail, God doesn't want us to fail. He wants the best for us, regardless of our circumstance or how bleak our situation may seem. We have to have faith that God will use it for good, whatever that is that we're going through. Now, when I think of someone who failed efficiently, Biblically, there's a bunch. And I, you know, I was talking to Pastor Mike about this, whatever. But um, I think of Joseph. Uh, Joseph went through a lot, uh, being sold into slavery by his brothers, working his way up through slavery to a prominent role in running the house of, you know, captain of Pharaoh's guard, uh, then ended up being imprisoned for um, his wife coming on to him and him rejecting her to eventually, you know, like, rising back up into ultimate power, running, uh, running Egypt or running Pharaoh's kingdom. Right now, a lot of people, when I say that would think, uh, he didn't fail or he wasn't a failure at anything that he did. It's quite the opposite. And to that, I also agree, but here's what I'm thinking. Joseph was human. He had emotions and feelings just like we do. So you can't tell me at any point in his life or his journey, that he didn't consider him his life a failure when his brother sold him out, sold him into slavery. Uh, like just at the beginning there, when he was saying he had this dream and then he was going to rule the family, that kind of thing. It was uh, when he got thrown into the pit and then they eventually sold him slavery. He's probably like, I probably shouldn't have done that. That was that was a fail on my behalf. Um, 
or you know when he was a slave just working as a slave just thinking i thought my life was going to go different than this and there's some failure there or what did i do to deserve this or when um he was doing everything right uh by uh running potiphar's house um have a, a good social standing and then his wife comes on to him and he rejects him that's the right thing to do but then he still ends up in prison for years and sitting in the, his cell he had to have been thinking you know what could i have done differently what a failure this was but through all that he had faith and he held tight to the fact that god was with him and i think we've all gone through something where we've literally had no choice but to trust god uh, that he is working because we don't feel like we have any control whatsoever f- through what we're going through. Um, we, we have to lean, lean into our faith and have to do what God has called us to do, even though we don't understand it at all. And here's something that Pastor Mike Lowry told me that I really liked um, when I was talking about doing what we're supposed to be doing and, and failing and learning from our mistakes and all that. And he said that here in the world, we think uh, we have to understand something and then we're going to do it. Like we'll understand how to do something, then we're going to go do it. But biblically, we must obey and then we understand what is happening afterwards. So what we do in this world is opposite to what biblically we should be doing. We, what do we? What do you want to do for in life? This is what I would do. All right, so let's do this, 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 and this, and then we'll go ahead and do it. In biblical times, it's like, this is what I want you to do. And you're like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And then afterwards, we figure out how to do it because God has called us to that. So in the end, no one escapes failure and disappointment. So we might as well plan on it and prepare for it with a view of profiting from it both efficiently and faithfully. It's not easy, but it's something we got to consider. All right, that's really all I have for you. There's no actual scripture in this today, which I don't like to do. I like to throw at least one scripture in there. But it was like, I'm talking about Joseph. There's nothing scripturally that said he was a failure. And I don't think he was a failure. I'm just saying there has to have been times where he felt that way, like we all feel. There's so many people that we look up to, like mentors and all that, where you think this guy really has it all together. But we don't know the ins and outs of his thoughts and his doubts and his mistakes and his failures or her failures that she's gone through. Anything like that, we just see that. And then I just think that that's probably the same way with Joseph. So that's why I brought it up. So that's why there's no scripture. Next week, we'll definitely do some scripture in here. So I hope this all made sense. Or uh, wasn't just me babbling about nothing. When you're like, oh, that was time I'm never going to get back. But that's what I had on my heart. So that's what I was going to say. So that's what I have. Share it if you liked it. Send it to people. You know. You know the stuff. Have a good week. See you next time.